0: Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast. Men, as always, I'd like to begin by thanking you for checking out today's show and reminding you that today's podcast is sponsored by Dark Water Woodwork, darkwaterkc.com. The link will be in the show notes. Right now, Doug Cole of Dark Water is offering 15% off of your beard care products. Specifically, I want to talk about the St. Patrick Beard Balm and Beard Oil combo. That's two ounces of beard balm, one ounce of beard oil. I'm not a beard balm guy, but some of you are. So maybe you go in, you buy this and you can give that beard balm to somebody that you know uses it. It's a way that you can kind of advance the message and say, Hey, here's something I'm connected to. I heard it on a podcast. This is a business I support Use them both for yourself. It doesn't matter. Use the discount code that I'm going to give you in the podcast, and you'll save 15% off your order. Men, it's time for today's podcast conversation. All right, so if you're tracking with us on Fridays, then you know I call this podcast the Out in the Garage podcast because, well, that's what it's called. And uh, so many times when I was, you know, working on Pursuit of Manliness, i um, Especially in the early days, they would say, where's dad at? Well, he's out in the garage. So they'd always go out in the garage, find dad out in the garage. And what was he trying to do? Trying to get to become a better man of God. I was trying to uh, reach more guys with the message, figure out, well, what will reach them? How do, how do we reach them? What what should we be saying? I still don't know if I have that figured out. But I do know that we're going through Mark chapter 3, 31 to 35 today. Yeah, 3135. Let's go there. 3135. Not a large window of space here to cover, but this is this is a big deal. You know, um, recently I did a podcast where I talked about Ben Crosby and his son Gary Crosby. And you're like, oh, don't do that again. And, uh, you know, just the tension there, the family tension. Well, what we're talking about today is, once again, um, family. But I want to connect it to your local church. Your local church may call you or whoever you people are that gather, the you know, the family of God, or we're a big family here, they like to say that, or they'll say uh, we're the body of Christ. I like to say we're the body of Christ, not necessarily a church family. Yes, we're a church family, but those words matter. Just like that book, depending on your upbringing, a family can mean a couple different things. Maybe you didn't have a family, and so the idea of having a church family is just... Very enticing to you. You're like, yes, yes, I want to be a part of that. Um, but here, here's, here's my tension. When there's a problem in a family, people handle them a lot of different ways. Some people just like to blow it up. Some people like to pretend like it doesn't exist. Some people let it fester and just kind of, you know, become a cancer, you know, and spread. And, you know, and some people do family well. Some people do not do family well. Here's the thing if you do not do family well, you may not even know that you don't do it well because it's what you know. Or maybe it's the opposite of what you knew and you didn't like that, so you're doing this. So there are a lot of people out there who do not do family well, and either they don't care they don't know or they're just, you know, again, oblivious to it. But with your body, that's different. If someone says, hey, you have a cancerous tumor in your body, you say, man, rip it out. You never go back and say, well, let's put it back in because I miss it. Can't we all just be in this same space together? You know, you need to get a tooth pulled. You know, don't say, can I just leave it? You know, I've had that tooth a really long time. And it does help me sometimes chew soft cookies. And you know, you're you like, fix it. We don't do that in families. We, we don't rip it out. We, we don't address the problems. Or we don't address the problems in a healthy way. You got a, you know, protuberance on your elbow. And uh, you... It, you don't cut your arm off, right? You don't go, well, hurt my elbow and uh, slice it off. But that's what some people do in families. So now you have one arm. Maybe it wasn't even your good arm. And now you got one arm. Yeah, we're, we're looking at health. Health, man. And we don't health well. Again, it, it, it might, it, you need to at least evaluate what does my upbringing what? How does it impact where I'm at right now? Because you need to. And what if what I'm doing isn't working? Am I willing to change it? And listen, if you change it, and you are connected to a family, specifically people who live outside your house, and it goes against the code, like mafia style, it goes against the family. We always do this, and now you're doing this. There there will be repercussions, but you got to believe it's worth it. I got to believe what happens in my address is more important than what's happening in other addresses um, because I, I have to, to lead this house. And I don't always get it right. Didn't get it right real well this morning either, but we will try again if the Lord allows. So Ma- uh, Mark 3, 31 to 35. And his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. <clears throat> this is Jesus' mother and brothers. And a crowd was sitting around him and they said to him, Hey, man. Your mom and your brothers are outside seeking you. I I added that part. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? Now, if they thought he was crazy before, this isn't helping. Hey, your mom and brothers are outside. Who are my mother and brothers? He says, and looking about, no, oh, he didn't say that. Uh, Mark says this. And looking about those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Now, that's an exclamation point. I'm not really an exclamation point guy. I don't know if I exclaim very often. But uh, he did. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. So who's in? Some people believe everybody's in. Aren't we all children of God? No. No. In Christ you are. Just to be born, just to live in america just have people who love you no you you can say that and and you can even exclaim that but you won't find that print you're you're, you're a child of god when you are in christ jesus that's the key component there you're creating god's image 100 percent. aren't we all creating god's image absolutely are we all children of god no in christ yes Keith DeRose lays out this affirmation. He so Universalism refers to the position that eventually all human beings will be saved and will enjoy the everlasting life with Christ. In short, it's the position that every human being will eventually at least make it to the party. They're in a better place. Based on what rules. Based on your understanding of this better place. How does it work? How does that function? So at this point, they've accused Jesus of being deranged and uh, you know, Maybe he's uh, forced confinement here. Get him outside. We want to talk to him. Uh, Jesus says he will. You know, but this is the priority right now. He's explaining who's his family and who's not his family, who's in, who's out. Right, and uh, this is hard because family is sensitive and family is sticky. Some of you guys know. Some of you are oblivious, but family is very sticky. A lot of them are dysfunctional. A lot of them are unhealthy. <clears throat> A lot of them, if we're really going to be honest, have sinful ten- tendencies. It's manipulation. There's conditions put on the relationship. <clears throat> There's forceful gatherings. There's assumed positions of, you will do this, you won't do that. Like It's unhealthy. And you know it but you're not sure what to do about it. Well, I'm not necessarily going to give you the answer in this podcast, but because uh, I don't know if I have the answer. But here he is. He's teaching. And uh, he's teaching about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So he's really on one here. got a big crowd following him. If you go back to uh, Mark 3, he's got the man with the withered hand. He's healed him. He's got the apostles there. He's teaching on some heavy truths. And by the way, hey, could you just tell him we're outside? We'd like to talk with him. Now, we know from... I believe it's Matthew 13. Jesus had uh, at least four brothers. We have James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Um, And then he had at least a couple sisters. That's Matthew 13, 55 and 56. And I don't know how many are exactly outside. They're standing outside. Jesus on the inside. There's some symbolism here. They called him. The crowd said, hey, they want to talk to you, right? Jesus said, well, then who are my mother and brothers? Now that in that culture you think you couldn't say that in your day you're like man my family they couldn't handle that boy they don't handle it if i don't show up to dinner on time they don't handle it if i don't return a phone call they don't handle it. well if i i know imagine in this culture poof it would have took about 0.8 seconds for that that statement to get outside and everybody to give you know jesus the stink eye i can't believe he said that people were saying wait till i get home and tell my wife what he just said here's what he's saying He makes it clear that no physical or family connection is ultimately necessary to be in God's family. We are adopted. We are all adopted into his family. There's no racial, no cultural background that is ultimately essential. When you're a member of the family of God, you are part of the most important family. Again, don't try that at Thanksgiving. The family of God is a spiritual reality. It's not a physical one. And so, again, that's why I talk about we're the body of Christ more than the family of God, even though we are the family of God, because people's mental connotations can go a lot of different places. This 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 body of Christ, this family of God, you got tax collectors and thieves and murderers and zealots, all that, but they didn't stay that way. You say, Boy, we put out a sign out front, let everybody know that everybody is welcome. Does everybody know that they need forgiveness for their sins? Does everybody know there was a man named Jesus who died on the cross for the penalty of their sin so they cannot continue to remain and live in their sin so that they can walk in a new life? Does everybody know that? Or does everybody know we got a chair for you? Well, that's different. Then you you kind of have a restaurant. A restaurant's like, no, everyone can come in. We got a seat. The body of Christ is different. You wouldn't just let anything be in your body. You wouldn't do that. Hey, what is this? Uh, it might be water, might be uh, rubbing alcohol. I'm not really sure. I'll just take a big swig and find out. You don't do that. <laughs> we we, sh- we should have a filter, too, to who's a part, who's a member, who's involved, who's serving, who's, who's leading in the body of Christ. Because this stuff really matters. So, all these people are around, and Jesus looked around and said, Here are my mother and here are my brothers. Being a part of the family God is more than just finding Jesus interesting or finding a group of people that you f- think are pretty nice or put on good potlucks or who are willing to watch your kid for an hour and a half on Sunday or who make great coffee so you can sit and sip it. Why this guy kind of entertains you for a period of time on fresh topics every four weeks. It's much bigger than that. In verse 34, you have a whole bunch of people who are attracted to Jesus, they love miracles. They love the exorcisms. They love the show. They're trying to get as close to him as possible. And so you have a bunch of people who are around. They love listening to Jesus talk. And uh, they have to realize that uh, with that statement, just being in present doesn't matter. It's about the body of Christ. This is what he says at the communion. It's the blood. It's my body. The body is the ultimate sacrifice on the cross for our sins the body is what represents life right and we get to be a part of the body of Christ when we are in Christ that's huge and what about a family the group hug group hug if you want but you can group hug yourself to hell if you have to that that doesn't mean you're saved you could potluck yourself self to hell if you want you can entertain yourself to hell you can watch all the kids make all the coffee, have a bounce house, have a mascot, have a parking lot team, have a sound and light show, all the way to be separated from Christ. You could you could do that. But in Christ, then you're a part of the body of Christ. That's a big deal. There's a responsibility when you are a part of a body of Christ. Every family's got somebody somewhere along the way who takes zero responsibility, who just you know eats the food or causes the problems or whatever. They all got them. You, again, you wouldn't do that in your own body. The body of Christ is what's important here. And while we're there, that's your discount code. put that in there, save 15% body of Christ. So who's in the room? We got 12 disciples. Judas is there of course. we got the scribes from Jerusalem. I mean, a whole batch. just like your weekend service. You got people who believe. You got people who are cynical. You got people who are just there because they, they were told they get a free turkey sandwich afterwards from grandma or whatever. You got people there because it's a holiday and they said, I got to wear pastel colors because uh, it's Easter and then we're going to have a little egg hunt afterwards and then we're going to watch the Masters and then we're going to. People missing it, missing it. They're in the room, but they're missing it. Different reasons, different agendas. John chapter 2, 23 to 25. It says now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. They're like, Yep, yep, we're in. But when Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew was what was in man, he said, uh, here, here's his family here. He doesn't need, he doesn't need that, that physical connection there. Even though you do see Jesus connecting physically, he's God. We can't miss that. He's not some kind of superhero. He's not walking around in tights. He's not got probably long, flowy hair. He's God. Isaiah wrote, there was nothing that amazing that he should be marveled at or looked at, right? He's just here telling you what God says, doing the will of God, trying to help you get closer to God. He said in Luke 8, 21, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. He says here in Mark 3, 35, For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. How do I know if I'm in? Do you do the will of God? I just wish I knew what God's will was in my life. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. I was reading Deuteronomy 9 the other day. I don't want to get into it now. I'm going to bump the microphone and all that. But Deuteronomy 9. He said, here's God's will for you. Uh, You'll see that throughout Scripture. Here's God's will. What is it? Your sanctification. You're maturing in your faith. Uh, What did Jesus say? Go make disciples. Evangelize the lost. Teach them everything I've commanded you. John's writing his book, and he says, uh, if everything Jesus taught was put in a book, I don't think the world could hold it. You could spend the rest of your life trying to tell people what Jesus taught and doing it yourself. Ken uh, Kent Hughes says obedience does not originate a relationship with God. Faith does that. But obedience is a sign of it. I don't want a works-based religion. Well, it's not. However, your work is a reflection that you are saved. You're not saved to sit. Get off your butt. Get out of the high chair. I just like to show up with my coffee and see if you got anything interesting to say, and then I'll waddle back out to my car, or I'll go to the grocery store, pick up some food, or I'll go run some errands today, or may go fish. Or that's, that's not the Christian life. That, that's something that you might have bought into, and that's why I go back to the family thing, which I hesitate with that, because depending on your experience with family, you can have some really bizarre ideas of what a family is and how they are supposed to function. And as much as you can say, well, I'm never going to do that again, you will still find times when you see those habits creeping in. And you got to catch yourself. Do you live every day as if you are a part of the body of Christ? You're accepted. You're loved. My kids should not obey to be accepted and loved there are times they obey because they're like man dad's on one today he's upset about this and i left my socks laying around and cups and forks and whatever that's different that's a little we don't live like that they're loved because they're, they're part of this house part of this family and again depending on your experience with church depending on your experience with family you could have a pretty twisted view of this and all i can say is i'm sorry I know for me, I've probably been that guy for some people who've given them a twisted view of church or of Christ. I, I not didn't intend to. Try to undo that, try to have that less try to have that happen less than more, but uh again, just want you to consider that. The body of Christ. How is the body of Christ most realized in your local church? It is and you don't have to like it, and you can avoid it, and you can disagree with me. But when you get into the Bible, particularly the New Testament, you see the local church. How do you read Paul's letters and not get anything about a local church? And then you, in your mindset, you say, but I don't really think I need that. I, I, I kind of got a problem with the church. I kind of have a an issue with this or that i would tell you as i told this old boy a long time ago you're on borrowed time i mean we all are i was watching this thing a while back and a guy was talking about having a problem with his wife and they were fighting and he was telling a guy at work and he says i think when i go home i'm going to uh apologize to her and uh the guy said well who told you he said what do you mean He said, well, who who told you? And he's like, what do you mean who told me? Nobody nobody told me. It's just, just my plan. It's just what I'm going to do. He said, no, who told you that you're going to make it home to apologize to her? And his point was, do it now. Do it now. I always think I have more time. Do it now. I would say that with the body of Christ. Move on it now. There's a lot of benefits of being a part of the body of Christ and not that just that your church has a great logo and a superstar pastor tells funny jokes and gets done at you know, 31 minutes on the dot. And, you know, there's a lot of upside to being a part of the body of Christ outside of the fact it's it's biblical that it's the bride of Christ. So I want to wrap this up. And I want to start to land that with that. Let's take a look at that. Like, let's exercise that through the body of Christ as we wrap up. We start to wrap up uh, today's podcast. Now, let me say this: We're to worship God in every aspect of our life. We're to worship God because of who He is, because of what He's done. You, you could sit just on our Father who art in heaven, just that part of the Lord's Prayer, and you could just kind of work that into your day today as you drive, as you eat, as you work, walk, whatever, and just marinate on that and just be marvel at the glory of God. The fact that you get to call him Father, the fact that he is in heaven and his name is hallowed and that he even allows us to know him or to have this book or or to be a part of his church, to exercise our gifts and abilities and talents through the local body of Christ. As a church family, we have, we have a couple responsibilities that we need to make sure we get. We get this in the church. One is to preach the gospel, and two is to model Christian living. You say, I can do that in my own life, Jarrett. Are you? because you're going to, if you're in a Bible believing church, you're going to preach the gospel every single weekend. And you're going to model Christian living because you're made up of all these different families who come together and make the body of Christ. And we all are quirky and we're all different. We're all weird. You're not going to find a church that doesn't have some weirdness to it. And if you do think you found a church that has some weirdness that does not have weirdness to it, you might be that guy. But through the church, through being a member of a church, being committed to a church where a church can actually count on you as well. We understand, one, we get to assure ourselves. I don't join a church to be saved, but you may want to join a church to help you continue to work out your salvation. Because your pastor's not going to tell you everything you want to hear. Your small group will not always be on the topics that are just so fitting for your season of life. Jesus said in John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. It's easy to fool ourselves that we are doing the Christian living because we made a one time tearful decision. We filled out a card and checked, checked a box and raised our hand or whatever. Listen, you should have a relationship with Christ that not only continually changes your life, but it changes the lives of those around you. One of the ways you discover this is being a part of of a local church, a Christ-centered body of Christ. Again, church membership does not save you. I want to make sure you get that. But it is a reflection of salvation, remaining connected. Remember Remember, anybody still grill on coals? I mean, you got to have like three weeks to do it. But you grow on coals, and you take one coal away, set it by itself. You've probably heard this analogy before. That coal is not long for this. Keep it together, you got something. Second thing we do is we evangelize the lost world. When I talk to people and say, why do you not make disciples? Why do you not evangelize the lost? And I'm not coming at them like that, okay? <laughs> Please hear this. But when we had this conversation, we just did this, a summer series at the church where I'm at, and I was asking questions, and people basically told me, I don't feel like I know enough. You know, I I get nervous. I, I, you know, all the things, all the things you already know. Yeah, well, partner up. Jesus went two by two. Jesus took two of his disciples and said, okay, go over there. Tell them about the kingdom of God. Go over there and tell them what the Lord has done. Tell them the time of refreshing is at hand. Repent. Believe the gospel. Two by two. Well, on your own, you can't go two by two. So you're having someone else, massive, massive compliment. But you have to want to do it. A lot of young people sitting in churches who have no intent to ever disciple somebody or evangelize the lost. I talk about, I want to be a church that sends people out. You left our church, you moved to Zimbabwe. I don't know, you moved to Scotland. That would be great, I'd love to visit you. You go somewhere and you... You plant a church, or you evangelize the lost, or you do whatever, and I could tell by the looks on people's faces, they're like, I'm not doing that, I'm not budgeting, I'm not selling my house, I'm not quitting my job, I'm not going to move. You know the funny thing is? That was me 20 years ago when I'd hear people talk about that. I'm like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) Now look at me. I live in a city. Number three, we expose false gospels. Well, iron sharpens iron. Iron's going to have to be around iron to get sharpened. You grow together. You create a healthy, maturing body of Christ that's able to discern false gospels. Some guy comes into your men's breakfast, starts spouting off some kind of weirdo, hippie voodoo stuff. You're like, get out, get out. You're gone. Now there's an exclamation point get out. Yeah, well, you can do that when you know what the gospel is. You can do that better collectively. Number four, you edify the church. Again, if the church is the bride of Christ, which scripture says it is, we should build her up. We should compliment her. I don't know how you treat your bride, but God cares. I don't know if you have a bride, but if you want one, you might pray for her. Because God cares. He cares about his church. It's, his, it's the bride. Don't disrespect the bride. You ever been to a wedding and disrespected the bride? You ever seen someone wear white to a wedding? You want to get shunned by the mother of the bride? Wear white. Don't you do That's weird. But, you know, ladies, they could do that. You know, that's bad. You don't wear black to a wedding either, do you? Well, since Johnny Cash's wedding, you don't wear black to a wedding. You, you wear black. You know, I'm not talking about what you wear in church, so please don't misunderstand me. My point is, you wouldn't disrespect the bride at a local wedding. You shouldn't disrespect the church. It's the bride of Christ. And number five, we glorify God. We glorify God. Don't miss what Jesus said here. Whoever does the will of God, are you doing the will of God? Well, that's where Paul writes that we are going to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he's serious. Work it out. The best place to work it out was within the body of Christ. You're not going to work it out on your own. I know I've heard it and I've even tried to convince myself of it. Man, I can be in a fishing boat. I can be in a deer blind. I can sit on the beach and have an incredible God moment. I th- I I'm a mountain guy, but I'm telling you what, there's something when I go to the beach that I feel incredibly small. And I just think, man, God, I can't believe you even let us experience this. When I go to the mountains. I feel like this spiritual reset and I just, I say all the time, God does this every day and you hear, you know, nature and you hear all the things move and everything sounds big and it's a squirrel and that's, that is a very um, powerful moment. You know what I'm saying? Like some of you guys know what I'm talking about. It's not the body of Christ. It's not the body of Christ. And as good as that is, that's two sides of the same coin. We have the individual walk with Christ. And then you have the collective community. We should be a part of But Doggone, that collective community drives me crazy. I'm a pastor. And I'm telling you, I drive my people crazy and they drive me crazy. It's, It's human nature. Where you work, if you're the boss, you drive them crazy. They, they won't say it because you're the boss, but I don't know if crazy is the right word. But, uh, you know, your name has been brought up a couple of times. It's it's inevitable. The same way you feel when you walk out of their office or had a meeting, and went, what are we doing? They, they feel the same way. That's That's the beauty of the church. All that together and in Christ, God does an incredible thing to a lost world. We get to be a reflection of his salvation, just like Israel was supposed to be in the Old Testament. Be the light. Be the light. I don't know if we'll be the light. And what we do in our churches, too often, not all of them, but too often, is we try to be cool. I don't think God's interested in cool. And I'm pretty sure a world that already thinks we're deranged isn't going to be won by our coolness. Have you ever tried to be cool? Like in junior high, there were some attempts on my part to be cool. Man, it's awkward and uncomfortable. And what you do is you sometimes end up becoming something that you're really not. I would rather try to be genuine to the best of my ability. I would try rather try to be real because you could sustain real. That's what the church should be. It should be genuine. should be real. should be Christ-centered. There's two things we say all the time where I serve. Number one, if you're here and you don't believe in Christ, you don't believe in the Bible, you don't believe in God, All that. I mean, I understand that. I want you to get two things. Number one, I want you to understand without question, we believe that this book is true. No question. Number two, we believe Jesus is alive. If you get nothing else else out of this day, that's the two things I want you to grab. What you do with that, hey, that's your call. But we believe the book is true. We're going to read it. We're going to teach it. We're going to talk about it. And number two, we believe Jesus is alive. And we think you should as well. So, man, appreciate you listening. Appreciate you guys who watch, subscribe, share the show. Um, Man, I just hope you're connected to a body of Christ. And when you get there and don't sit do something with it do something with it they need you man let's keep pursuing biblical manliness